The Senate impeachment trial of President Trump has resumed. NPR's Brian Naylor reports House managers are focusing on charges the president abused the power of his office. Officials in China say 17 people have died and 600 others are sick from a new coronavirus spreading in the country. Three U.S. firefighters are dead after their air tanker plane crashed in Australia. Hundreds of Central Americans have crossed into Mexico from Guatemala today and are attempting to march toward the United States border. Presidential misconduct, a deadly Chinese virus, climate change-fueled fires, immigration. Do those headlines make you feel a little worried? Maybe anxious? You're not alone. Welcome back to The Source for our second episode of 2020. I'm your host, Nicole Shaw. My guest today is journalist Kai Wright, the host of several podcasts, including The United States of Anxiety on New York's WNYC. Kai is also the editor and host of WNYC's Narrative Unit. In addition, he is a best-selling author and a columnist for The Nation. His reporting and writing focus on racial justice, economic inequality, healthcare, and sexuality has extensive expertise in media, the public use of history, and the racial politics of 2020. We're recording from the podcast studio at the University of Iowa School of Journalism and Mass Communication. Welcome to Iowa, Kai. Thank you for having me. I'll have to fact check you. I'm not best-selling. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on how you how you how you consider that. Who's who's, who's it ranking is it? Yeah, <laughs> for right. sure. No, but yeah, I think it was a fantastic book, and it definitely impacted a lot of people. Well, thank you. Thank You're you for saying so. Yeah, and you've been a storyteller and a journalist, leading discussions and conversations about national identity identity politics and more. Why are these important for you and your audience? Well, they're important for me because they're my life. Um, You know, I am a black gay man from the Midwest who lives in New York City, uh, uh, who grew up middle class most of the time. Um, And so uh, I I always say that because it's... um, I am many things, as are many people. I contain multitudes, and uh, and and I think that those that our our politics and our society and everything about um, those awful headlines you read at the top of the show uh, and our choices about what we're going to do with them are shaped by these sort of intersections of race and gender and class, and we need to have more intelligent conversation about them. And so that's that's what I've dedicated my work to. For sure. And yeah, we as human beings are very complex beings. I myself am a bi uh, mixed race woman, and I also am from the Midwest, from Illinois. Um, And so, yeah, I grew up in a very upper middle class white community, and it was very interesting learning about how those intersections kind of work when you're meeting with people. And so um, I think that in the industry of storytelling, as we are, it's very important to look at those intersections and kind of uncover them in order to really determine what connects us as human beings and kind of work towards some change. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> I, I entirely agree. Yeah. Um, and so in the realm of storytelling, I want to talk a little bit about podcasting specifically. Uh, many students in our audience are starting to do their own podcasting. Yeah. One, what makes your podcast so strong? And two, how can high school students produce impactful work that people will listen to? Boy, um, I, I mean, I think when you're trying to do impactful work, particularly in this medium, there's a couple of things to I, remember. I, I'm actually new to the field. You know, I've spent my years um, writing words on a page or for a screen. 
And so I've been making podcasts for now about four years, and I feel like I'm still learning. And the thing that I keep being told um, is, Kai, remember the intimacy of this medium. You are whispering in someone's ear. Whoever's listening to this right now probably has earbuds in. They might be in a very vulnerable place. They might be on the toilet. <laughs> they might be sitting alone in a dark room. You, you can't lecture. Um, you have to engage people emotionally. Um, and um, and so it's just keeping that, I think that is the first rule to keep in mind is that you're, 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 you're engaging people as another human being, not just as a expert voice of God journalist. Um, and so that's what we try to bring to our podcast. We, we tackle some really uh, heavy stuff. <laughs> um, you know, gentrification, criminal justice, uh, in this current podcast, essentially the history of racism. <laughs> um, and, um, and the way to do it is for me as the host to constantly remember that, um, I'm talking to another individual, um, and, and to try to keep myself in it as an individual as much as I can. Yeah, I mean, that's beautiful. And I think it's really important to think about that as well, especially with podcasting, because when you're writing on the page, um, in my experience, you know, you're writing a little bit for yourself, but you're also still like keeping in mind your audience. But yeah. podcasting specifically, you are directly talking to someone like someone is listening to every word that you're saying and um, how your voice resonates with them is really important. Yeah. I mean, whether you have three listeners or 30 million listeners, you are talking to one person at a time. You're literally talking to one person. Um, and um, and it's just hard. You have to remember that. And then, I mean, I think what we try to do also that is really useful is remember that you're introducing people to each other. I mean, that's one of the things that we've heard a lot that folks like uh, about the United States of Anxiety, you know, is that... Um, you get to meet your neighbors. You're meeting people that you don't often talk to, um, and 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 people find joy in that, right? So you're so I'm talking to somebody as an individual, but also I'm introducing you to people, um, and and I think that's that's important to remember. And we're in in our upcoming season. Uh, I spent uh, the first episode. I spent a lot of time down in the Mississippi Delta with these two, with a, this 94 year old and 90 year old black woman, black man and woman who are farmers. Um, who are just the salt of the earth. Um, and, uh, and I adore them. I just adored them. And they have these deep Mississippi accents, right? That you, it's very hard to understand them. Uh, and we wrestled with like, how do we, you know, I mean, are people going to be able to engage with them? But it turns out they can, you know, because it's such an intimate medium. If you if you were just walking down the street trying to talk to them, some people, somebody in Chicago may not be able to understand poor Albert Lester, you know. But in this medium, he's whispering in your ear, and we and, and, and so people were able to connect with him and feel the emotion in his voice. And I just that's what I love about it. Yeah, and I think especially with journalism, we definitely have a loyalty to the public and making sure that. Um, all voices are being heard. And so when you're talking about connecting people and really introducing them to each other, I think that's something that's really important to remember. Um, what are some of those other experiences that you've had where they're really uh, memorable and you've learned what's really important about this medium and connecting people? Well, uh, there are uh, two that come immediately to mind as you ask that question that um, are, one of them's kind of hard, you know. Um, so we, the very first season of uh, the United States of Anxiety, we launched this as Donald Trump was taking the nomination for the Republican Party. And um, we set out to understand why. Why would 
millions of people think this man is wants to be president. And there are some straightforward answers to that that I believe are true. Racism, xenophobia, misogyny um, are reasons, but they are what? answers, not why answers, you know, um, and so we wanted to get into the why, uh, and we spent a lot of time hanging out in um, the suburbs in New York uh, with Donald Trump supporters, um, and we sp we spent a lot of time with this one woman, um, Patty, uh, who was working on behalf of the Trump campaign just as a volunteer, and most of our listeners really did not want to meet Patty. <laughs> they really did not want to meet me, Patty. I remember we had a launch event and uh, we struggled to get off the stage uh, at the end of the event because people were so upset that we were having this conversation at all. But as the season bore on and they got to know this woman, not that they got to feel sorry for her or excuse her or um, come to agree with her, but they came to understand her and where she was coming from. And, it, and the tone of the response we were getting from people across the season, it changed dramatically from, you know, I don't, I can't believe, I don't want to hear from this lady to like, oh, I get what's, I get why she's scared. I, I, I disagree with why she's scared, but I understand what is motivating her racism, uh, which she wouldn't call racism, but I would. Um, and so I think that is, is that, that is the example that stands out to me. You know, I like, there, there are many others where I feel like I was able to introduce our listeners to people who they could relate to better, uh, and that brought them joy. And I think that's great, but that was a, a powerful one for this series. And I think having those difficult conversations and really putting that person um, in a space where they can be understood is really important because you're kind of eliminating that kind of division that oftentimes perpetrates a lot in the media. And you're getting to understand people and where they're coming from and then working towards a more common goal or maybe not a more common goal, but just understanding each other in order to later on learn how to interact with each other in a very not volatile way. Well, I mean, even if you're going to react with each other, I mean, if you're not going to get on, yeah. you know, like I don't, it's not for me to say whether we, we should get on, you know, um, but whatever end you want, we live together, <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, we live together. We're going to be living together. And better to know your neighbor than not. And you can take what you take and do what you will with that knowledge. But the idea that you don't need to know the people that you are sharing your community, your city, your state, your country with, uh, I think is, is foolish. Mm -hmm. And with the United States of Anxiety, as we're talking about this, I want to also understand why this was a podcast and not a different medium. Mm. That's a good question. I don't know. Why is this a podcast and not a different medium? I guess because I make podcasts. Um, <laughs> the, well, I mean, I think that one of the things that has been um, revolutionary for me in making podcasts generally, not just the United States of Anxiety, but all of the ones I've worked on, um, is it is a freeing form. Um, you know, um, so much of our media, whether it's print or broadcast, we have to be extremely reductive um, because we have constraints. We have constraints of how many words we can use. We have constraints of how many minutes we can fill. We have to meet a certain clock, particularly for audio. You know, you are um, often have, you have to meet that news clock. Um, and what podcasting has done uh, is blow that up, you know, and allows you to scale a story to whatever it needs to be editorially, not 
to anything else. Um, so that does it's not a license to act out and go on and make and drone on when you should have shut up a long time ago. Um, editors still matter, you know, um, but you can scale the story to what it needs to be. And so for the kinds of conversations we want to have in the United States of Anxiety, they're very difficult to have in, in, in within the constraints of the normal broadcast clock. Um, and meeting people is difficult to do within the constraints of the normal blog broadcast clock. Uh, and what podcasting has allowed uh, is our ability to say, okay, well, we're going to take seven episodes at 20 minutes each, um, or we're going to do eight episodes, and three of them are going to be 40 minutes, and two of them are going to be 15 minutes, and one of them is going to be an hour. Um, and that's the time that was required to have the conversation we wanted to have. Yeah, I think that's something that's very interesting, too, because as we know, in the field of journalism and broadcast and everything like that, um, you have to constantly be thinking about your audience and make sure that you're grabbing their attention and keeping them engaged with the content that you're producing. And so, especially with podcasting, you have to be able to tell a story and get people really involved and excited about what you're going to say, like, very soon. Um, so I think that's really cool that you said that you can kind of decide what you decide to do with the content you have and how you're going to put it out there in order to keep people engaged in talking about these issues. Yeah. Now, I'll say that the flip side of that is that um, podcasting has grown so much uh, that the number of podcasts have grown so large uh, uh, relative to the audience, frankly, um, that, um, that it is becoming harder and harder to just sort of make editorial choices and not have to think about, okay, um, What's the, how sharp can we make this such that it stands out uh, in the world, in the market of podcasts? Um, and I worry about that direction. I guess I don't worry about it. I mean, that's media. We make media. Um, uh, but it is a, a, a new era of podcasting we're entering, I think, or maybe that we have, fully, we have already entered, um, where you have to do a lot more of that thought that went into other mediums before you, you, you start making it to say, who's the audience? How are we going to get their attention right away? You know, how are we packaging this to them for them right away, even before we start listening? Um, uh, and um, and that is, I don't know, that's that's the part of the business I'm not as into, um, but it's uh, but it's increasingly necessary. Yeah, and talking about the content of in the United States of anxiety, you discuss culture wars and how they inform debates on race, yeah. religion, science, technology, sexuality, and more. Why was it important for you to not only focus on the idea of culture wars in the past four years in the United States politics, but to connect these debates with real people? Well, first off, because I, I just feel like everything we are doing, everything we are fighting about now, we have been fighting about for 150 years. Um, uh, and that's really, really the focus of this new season of, of United States of Anxiety is um, uh, from guns to climate change to immigration uh, to gender equity, to you just go down the list. There are th there are fundamental debates that stretch back to the Reconstruction era, to that era after the Civil War. And you know, left, right, and center, black and white, we all people have such strong opinions about America and what is it when we say America, the United States? What is this thing? What is this idea? One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And so few of us, whether wherever we fit on the ideological spectrum of reaction to it, so few of us anymore really actually have stopped to think about what is this idea? Where did it come from? When was it created? By who? At what cost? These are the kinds of things that have got, that we have forgotten. Um, but almost all of them were created in the years following our Civil War. 
um, in a period that uh, historian Eric Foner calls our second founding, when after freeing three million black people from slavery, well, after three million black people helped themselves get freed from slavery, um, at, through the course of a war, uh, we had to redefine, we had to define what does freedom mean? That was literally the question that the United States had to answer for everybody, not just for those 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 freed black folks. Um, and so we started to do that constitutionally in our culture, in our customs, in our laws. Um, and we have been fighting about that ever since. Um, and I think it's really important to in this moment, in this election, as that that fight becomes more raw and more clear and more honest, I guess, that we remember its roots and where it came from. Tell me a little bit about your experience in high school and a little bit of college journalism. My first journalism job uh, was at 15 years old. I uh, worked for the Indianapolis Recorder, which was uh, what and still is the black community newspaper in Indianapolis. Uh, and they had a youth section insert called JAWS. Uh, what was the acronym? Journalists Awakening, I don't know, something, it was an acronym of some sort, but I loved it. I helped create the acronym. Uh, and that was back when we used to, like, used to, I mean, this, I'm going to age myself here, uh, where we had to lay the type out, you know, we had to typeset. Yeah, yeah. So we typeset our own section uh, of the newspaper um, and um, and ran around and interviewed black people in the city. And it was a one, and I was so, I was intoxicated from jump, you know, Um uh, there was a guy who was a journalist there, and uh, and he had invited me in and invited us, the rest of the kids in, uh, and he just infused us with this passion for asking questions. Um, and the idea that I could start, I can remember, I remember I, it was, I feel like it was a city council member, I don't even remember, it was somebody powerful, it was a grown, it was some adult powerful person that I had to go interview. And he was like, my mentor, the guy who ran it, Jim Nelson, was like, all right, well, here's what, you're gonna go over there to the office and you're gonna ask these questions. And I was like, oh, you know, it's like, yeah, you're going to do it. And I sat down and I asked my questions. And the idea that like, you know, like you can show up and ask people questions and they're going to answer them, mm-hmm. you know, and if they don't, you keep calling until they do. Hold them accountable. Just, yeah. I just, I was intoxicated with it for, I guess maybe I'm power hungry. I don't know. I was intoxicated with it from the beginning. Um, uh, and then uh, my next major journalism experience was that I made an underground newspaper um, for the black student union in my high school. Um, and it was a disaster. I, I, it is, I still have, I did, it was one edition, thank goodness. Uh, and, uh, and I made a lot of bad choices. Um, a lot of things that I thought, like, you know, and it's, it was instructive for me too, because I was like worried about like, ooh, you know, we're going to talk about this nerdy stuff, but how are we going to get people to read it? We got to have some fun stuff in there. Yeah. Um, and we put in, uh, I went around and I gathered up all the jokes that uh, we told each other about each other. Uh, and put that in the back of the paper. Um, uh, and uh, it ended up, on paper, it was mean-spirited. You know, uh, it wasn't funny anymore. Uh, and um, uh, and parents saw it, and, uh, and teachers saw it, <laughs> and, and I saw it, you know, and we were like, and was like, this is, this is awful. And I had all this great stuff about Nikki Giovanni in the front of the paper, you know? Like, yeah. And then, but all we talked about was the stuff in the back. And I learned a lesson there. I was like, you got to be responsible. If you're going to, if you're going to make media, you got to be, you got to do it responsibly. So. Yeah. It definitely shows the growth um, in learning how to present oneself and the words that you're writing when you're putting it into a publication and other people from different backgrounds are going to be reading it. Yeah. Um, I think it really puts that into perspective, but it sounds like you had a real yearning for curiosity and passion. Um, and you still do, obviously, with podcasting and your uh, storytelling as an author. 
So yeah. I do. I do. It was great. Well, that's unfortunately all the time we have today for this episode of The Source, Quill and Scrolls podcast. Kai, thank you so much for speaking with me today and helping to inform scholastic journalists across the world. Um, not until next time, this is Nicole Shaw signing off. And remember, all around you, there are stories to be told.